Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. My name is Hakun Wong and I am the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me as always is Senior Staff Writer and Completely Unbearable Pats fan Ryan Whitfield. As well as Senior Staff Writer and Suffering Giants fan Joey Libro. So we have a lot to talk about this week because we just got off a wacky and wild conference championship weekend with the NFC and the AFC both going into overtime, something that we have not seen ever. So <laughs> pretty amazing stuff. And two completely different types of endings in overtime, you know, as uh, we'll, as we'll talk about shortly, the Saints having an opportunity to come back after, of course, a bad interference call allowed the Rams to go and tie the game up with a very long 40-yard field goal, and then the interception by Drew Brees, which let, uh, let uh, uh, Greg Zerline kick the ridiculously long 57-yard field goal for the win. And then on the AFC Conference chart side, uh, the incredible offensive outburst from Chiefs, 24 points in the fourth quarter to bring them uh, to a tie with the Patriots, and then the Patriots get the coin flip and drive down the field like they did in the Super Bowl against Atlanta and win that one in overtime, not even giving Patrick Mahomes the opportunity to actually handle the ball. So we're going to be talking about that as well. We're going to be talking about uh, the uh, the NFC Conference Championship, our takeaways from that, the AFC Conference Championships, and our takeaways from that. We're going to be uh, talking a little bit about some other things that you might be uh, hitting on, the Super Bowl, for instance, Super Bowl 53, our initial thoughts on that. Um, and what our thoughts are regarding the over-under and all the different things that might occur during that game and who you think you should watch during that Super Bowl. And then the Senior Bowl, which is actually coming up just around the corner, the recent Senior Bowl, which is going to be just this Saturday, and uh, there's going to be some prospects there for the draft that you'll definitely want to check out, and we'll talk about that as well. And we're going to end off with some DFS kicks for both the Super Bowl and the Pro Bowl so we can get your uh, showdown lineups in for this weekend. So, Ryan, I know that you warned us last week that you were going to be completely unbearable this week. Is uh, And so before we get rolling, I'm just going to hit this red alert here. All right, that's everybody's warning that Ryan is absolutely going to go off. Ryan, are you going to go off today? <laughs> did, you, did you bring your own theme music? scenario for you this man can't stay in, can't stay healthy in the pros because his college quarterback Dave one said has run him into the ground he is floundering on his way out of the NFL the Patriots and I don't do this because the Patriots mistreat a lot of players but Dion mm-hmm. Lewis of all people the Patriots come and give him a contract halfway through the first year of that contract they re-up him for an additional year and give him a pay boost after the two years they decide they want to move on 
cordially, not rudely, didn't trash him in the media, just made a business decision to move on. He then wins a regular season game, a regular season game, and says that's what happens (laughs) when you go cheap, you get your ass kicked. Says the man who didn't make the playoffs while my team is in the in the Super Bowl for the third straight year. So that's what happens when you go cheap, Dion. And yep. you know what? The Patriots had more rushing yards this year than they did last year, Dion. They didn't need you. You're a nobody. And when they went and when the team that gave you all that money turned to their disappointment of a draft pick, Derrick Henry, they could finally run the ball too. You overrated bum. You know what? I'm so much more bullish about this right now because of the fact that it was this big pile on the Patriot thing from Cassius Marsh to Lane Johnson to Danny Amendola to Dion Lewis. Where are you all sitting? Are you guys having a big couch party for the Super Bowl? Because the Patriots (laughs) are back in it because they're in it again. Because that's what winners do. They win. And that little that little freaking gangster walk video from Gronkowski and Brady coming out playing bad boys for life with the hashtag still here. I hope I hope it hurts you all as it as much as it warmed my heart. Because I have watched that video <laughs> two hundred times since Sunday. On the oh, road man. in the AFC championship. Left for dead. Uh, and they do it yeah. again. Oh God, is it so good to be a Patriot fan. Unbelievable. Here, uh, get, get, a little, little, little evil laugh there for you, <laughs> for everybody else. Unbelievable. I knew it was coming. Didn't expect you to bring your own theme music, though. That was uh, that was really uh, – you definitely one-upped yourself there. I, I didn't expect that to happen. <laughs> well played, sir. Well played. Um, we'll give you much more time to rant about this because, like I said, you warned us fair and square. It's going to happen today. We're going to talk about that AMC Conference Championship. I already kind of teed it up a little bit. Uh, when I talk, when I kind of previewed what we're going to be talking about today, but you know, I didn't want to steal your thunder because I know you got a lot to talk about. So let's just go ahead and roll this. Hey, I know you're on a roll here, Ryan, but let's 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 start with the other conference championship game first because then we can be a little objective about this, and then <laughs> things will we'll take things off the rail a little bit because there's something I want to raise, and I think you already know what I want to raise about overtime and the AFC Conference Championship. But let's talk about the NFC Conference Championship first. The Rams end up eking this one out 26-23 in overtime. As we uh, mentioned, uh, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, uh, there was a bad missed interference call at the end of the game. Could have cost the Saints the game, but of course, uh, Brady, uh, Brady, Brady, oh my God, I'm already getting myself ahead of myself here. Breeze <laughs> had the ball. Breeze had the ball. You got, you're got you in my head now, Ryan. I can't believe this. Breeze uh, <laughs> had the ball. Uh, uh, he won the toss. And he threw an interception, which led to a miraculous 57-yard field goal by Greg Zerloin to win the game for the Rams in overtime. Rams returned to the Super Bowl for the first time since 2001. Ryan, give us your takeaway from the NFC Conference Championship. So I'll just start and get it out of the way because I really don't really care to talk about it that much. Was it a terrible a call at the end of the game on that interference? I, anybody with two eyes. You know, anybody with a, with one eye that has a right. cataract in it and their glasses <laughs> are smashed on the ground knows it's a bad call. Right. Yep. The the thing that's so frustrating about sports, and I guess life in general for me, is just how stupid everyone is. Um, it, it, <laughs> just because a play happens in the fourth quarter doesn't make it more important than a play in the first quarter. And by that I mean, I I have a friend who whose uh, wife is actually a huge uh, Saints fan. She went to school in New Orleans. Um, okay. And I so I, I was rooting and and my son for whatever reason, well, because he's a big Alvin Kamara fan, my eight year old. So um, okay, that must so be tough. <laughs> I well, 
he's not that he is where he loves the superstars. So I have no issue with that. I had, I had a Randy Moss jersey, you know, when I was a kid and a, a Terrell All Davis right. jersey. But, All things are forgiven. Um, <laughs> so anyway, so I was rooting for the Saints because of the other people in my life, and I didn't really have a dog in the fight. Um, mm-hmm. And as I'm watching it, I text my friend at the end of the after the first two drives and said, the fact that they only came away with six points after getting in the red zone twice, and by getting in the red zone twice, I mean starting one of those drives in the red zone. I said, that can mm-hmm. come back and haunt them. Yep. And guess yep. what? It, it did. So you let the team hang around, and you allow a referee to make a call that can dictate a game. And that's the part that's frustrating to me, is, is it's all this narrative about, about how the refs screwed them. It was a terrible call. Did the ref make Drew Brees throw one of the dumbest passes I've ever seen in overtime? And people keep talking about, oh, he got hit when he threw and he was pressured. Michael Thomas wasn't open. That was a that that play had zero percent chance that was getting converted or completed. Yep. The only thing you did there was risking a turnover. So I see bad plays at the beginning of the game. I see bad plays at the end of the game, and I'm supposed to feel bad because they missed the call. I'm sorry. I, that's that that's just not. I I think I've said it enough on the show. I think complaining about officials is a loser's lament. And when I was younger, I did it too. I was I was just like every Patriot fan who complained about the no call on the interference against Gronkowski in 2013 in that Monday night game in Carolina where Brady was chastising the ref come off. I did that when I was younger too, but I don't do that anymore. Like, because you eventually got to evolve as a, as a human being and as an adult. And that's, that's not why you lost that game. Did that, did that have an effect? Yep. But the fact of the matter is, is that team always underachieves. Drew Brees and Sean Payton are regarded as two of the best at their jobs. And they have one Super Bowl appearance to their name all these years together. So I just don't have a lot of sympathy, and, I, and I'm sorry. And I think it's also really freaking childish and honestly offensive that we're going to tie up the court system with a lawsuit of fans having, having lost trust in the NFL. Go find <laughs> something else to do, you losers. Like, seriously, it's, it's a freaking game. And, and so, so the whole thing has gone from me originally saying, like, oh, New Orleans, you got screwed, to now listen to all the whining to the point yep. where I'm just like, you know what? I'm glad. I'm glad it happened to you because if this is how you're going to take it and you're going to handle it, I, I just don't have any sympathy for you as, as a fan base. So the point of the matter is the Saints had every chance to really get a, get up early and, and put that game away, and they didn't do it. And so when you let a team hang around, sometimes things don't go your way down the stretch. Should have played better the, the, the other 58 minutes of that football game. Yep. So that was a tough one, uh, a tough one for the the Saints, but I agree with you. They kind of put themselves in that situation. It's not the same thing, but I kind of felt the same way. And you know, as everyone knows, I'm a Bears fan. It wasn't. I don't put it on Cody Parkey. I mean, he should have hit that field goal. But at the end of the day, we put ourselves in a situation to lose by missing a field goal at the end of the game. And you know, that's it's not just one thing; it's a lot of things. And uh, that was how I felt how I felt about the Saints as well. So Saints move the Saints move on to the off season, going off to the Pro Bowl. We'll talk about that for like a half second later on. Rams moving on to the Super Bowl should be interesting, but let's go ahead and flip over to the AFC side, which I know you want to talk about a little bit. And, uh, you know, there's this Patriots Chiefs thing and uh, this Chiefs piled on 24 points in the fourth quarter, but they kind of matched them stride by stride. And then we got to the overtime and that was that coin flip. Patriots won, drove down, sound, looked familiar, looked like that Super Bowl against the Falcons in some way. They seemed like they were on uh, in in the midst of uh, fate at that point, kind of going down the field, but they did. Uh, I got to hand it to to Brady. I'm obviously not a Pats fan here. I'm not the Pats fan on this particular podcast, but I will say I'll hand it to him by saying that they definitely exposed the weakness 
in the Chiefs defense, and he took what they gave him, and he did it over and over again. And uh, they made it down there and made it look pretty easy in overtime. So I'm going to ask this question because I know how uh, – I, I don't know how you're going to respond, but I'm going to ask this question because I've heard a lot of people talk about this, and that's the overtime rules in the playoffs. Um, there have been some suggestion um, that the overtime rules, instead of allowing just um, the other team to have an offensive possession if there is a field goal or less – and the first drive of overtime to a guaranteeing one offensive possession per side at minimum. Now, I didn't really think this out and walk through the entire thing. You know, this is in some ways, this is kind of models the entire uh, college scene of overtime, but you know, and nobody really likes that either. And now it artificially drives up the score. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And I'm not suggesting we start at the 25 yard line or do any of that crap, but does it make sense? And take this game out of the picture, because I'm not going to say the Patriots didn't earn this one. They earned this one in overtime. But take this game out of the picture. Going forward, does it make sense in overtime for playoff games, at least, to guarantee that each side has an opportunity to possess the ball offensively? What do you think, Ryan? So, before I dive into this, did Joey send us up? Yeah, yeah. Joe, Joey totally stands us I announced him, and he stood us up. So uh, wow. he'll get flack for this online since he totally okayed us before. Wow. <laughs> but of course, right. when he becomes a head coach and hires us, I'll forgive him. So that's I'm cool with that. Jeez. All right. Well, <laughs> on to the overtime thing. So I got in a really passionate fight one night, <laughs> a sports fight with a friend oh, once. Oh, shocking. Not even, really, <laughs> not even really a friend, more of an acquaintance. Okay. Um, we have – and it's it's a hu- it's human nature. It's the same thing as like the golden age syndrome, and it's you know it's how every generation says, well, you know, kids these days, and oh, the world's gone to crap, and you know everyone's always said that, and and, and it's just this idea of that there was once this perfect society, or that this perfect society is is uh, is possible, and we, we hear in this pursuit of replay now, which has done nothing but slow down the game and make it you know painful to watch for the most part, but you know we have this idea that we're gonna make everything fair. Now, I've had this argument about college football, and I can't remember if I did it on our show or not, but I'll just do it quickly just to remind everyone. You know, uh-huh. the four-team playoff, it's not fair that five, six, and seven team got snubbed. So we have to go to eight teams. Okay. Well, March Madness has 68 teams in it, and people still bitch and complain that, that teams are getting snubbed at the 69th and 70th spot. The point is that this this idea of this – egalitarian perfect society it doesn't exist i mean it's not going to happen and so what we see in football um so this 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 whole thought because regardless of sunday's impact or what happened on sunday Mm -hmm. i think that again there's enough there's four other quarters that you could have done what you needed to do to win and eventually we just got to decide we got to decide a winner and it's it's interesting to note that 52 percent of the time i think that was for this year or maybe it's lifetime i don't know but mm-hmm. it was Ross Tucker who had this on Twitter, so you can go at him and ask him what, what the data, what the sample size was. But right. he said that 52% of teams that won the toss in the NFL won the won won in overtime. Okay. Okay, great. 55% of college teams that won the toss won it. So the college system actually favors the coin toss winner more, because if you've watched the college game, you know that you have a distinct advantage if you go second, which would happen in the NFL if both teams get the ball, right? Because the team that goes second 
now knows they need to ex- they need to execute on the four downs. They know they have that extra play. They, they there's this extra sense of urgency, or they know they can just drive down and get a field goal, and that's enough. So they just have to. So so the second team gets an advantage. So my point is is that there's no way to make it perfect. And so I guess you could say another 15 minutes. But in the case of the Patriots game on Sunday, you said it, it seemed like fate that the Patriots were going to score and win that. And I agree with you, yep. but it's also the same thing that happened in that Falcons Super Bowl where you had a yep. bunch of defensive players with their hands on their hips because that defense had played 94 plays or whatever it was. Yeah. They were gassed. Yeah. Yeah, totally if, gassed. Talk, if they played another 15 minutes, they'd have given up a touchdown on every single drive. So yeah. unless Mahomes could match them. So I, I, I just don't think that there's a perfect system. So I've heard a lot of crazy theories in the last couple of days. And if we really just want to make it fair, I've heard the, the best theories from a kid I work with, and I'm ready to go with it. Each team gets five opportunities from the 10-yard line, and each time you get a touchdown on one play, so almost like a penalty shot in, in hockey, uh, mm-hmm. every time you convert on the touchdown, it's one point, best out of five. And then we'll go to sudden death <laughs> after that. So it's so going to be like a shootout. You be, right. You look, it's kind of made like a shootout. You line up at the 10 you take a yep. shot at the end zone. If you convert, it's a point. If you don't, it's zero. Then the other offense comes out, and we do this yep. through five rounds, and whoever wins it, and then we can go home, and everyone can stop, everyone can stop crying. Or penalty shots, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's yeah. interesting. Or, or that's totally interesting. goals. I don't know, something. Like, I mean, yeah, well, like, <laughs> this idea, you, can't, you can't make it fair, so let's, let's just make right. it a circus if we're going to make it a circus is where I'm at. Well, you know, but if, but if you gave each team one offensive possession, I'm not, and I'm not advocating the college system. I, I think that's nuts to start a 25-yard line, but – you know, the fact of the matter, you're right. That second team does have a little bit of a event of knowing what they have to get. But if we, and I'm not taking uh, the, I'm not saying the AFC conference championship is what's making me think this. I'm saying just as, as a whole, you know, if, the, if we play that out, you know, Brady scores a touchdown, Mahomes, let's say scores a touchdown. I have no doubt that if Brady didn't want to, he can do it again, because those, like you said, those guys were, were gassed. And, and in some ways I blame Andy Reid for not taking a timeout and trying to figure out, what he could do with his defense, at least give him a breather because they're getting, they're getting, they're doing what they had to do on first down and second down and they couldn't get it together for third down. And before you know it, you're, you, you know, the Patriots are all the way down in the red zone and we knew it was basically over at that point. We can get, we can get to Andy Reid in a minute if you want to, but <laughs> right. I, I hear your overall point. I'm just saying like, yeah. and I'll take Sunday's game out of it. Cause I'm not, I'm not sensitive to it as a Patriot fan. I'm not. Right. Um, right. Because I think they were going to win that game either way. Once you get to overtime, cause that defense was gas. I'm just saying that, right. you know, I, what I what I'm what I'm projecting is is that I I'm, I've been around around enough whiny sports fans to tell yep. you that that if you know say it was the Chiefs got the ball or let's pick a different game say in the other game the the, yeah. the Saints had gone down and kicked a field goal and the Rams get the ball and then drive the other way and score a touchdown and do it converting fourth downs the whole time everyone's gonna say well they they had more you know the, to make a decision the more data you have the better so if you have mm-hmm. the data of of not knowing what the other team is going to score versus knowing what they what they scored, you know, there's a distinct advantage there. So justified or not, people are going to complain and cry about that on that side. Right. And it's just funny right. because we didn't hear any complaints about the overtime system starting at the Patriot game after we just watched an overtime game because, well, the first team didn't score. But then when it happens, literally a 50-50 split, now all of a sudden it's an issue. And I'm just like – if people are just mad, and what it really comes down to is everyone's mad about the about the roughing the passer, which they have a right to be mad about. So right. you know, I don't really, I don't, I think it's more of an argument about that than it was the actual overtime. But yeah, it's yeah and I, I agree with that. I agree with that. So let's let's since we got a lot of other stuff to cover here, uh, I'll give you uh, I'll give you thirty seconds to sound off on Andy Reid if you want to. I mean, I, I you know I had my thoughts on it, but fire away. What do you what do you think about Andy Reid and what he did with the uh, with the Chiefs? 
in this particular game? So I thought at the end of the first half, she called a timeout that was really stupid. Um, I, I, I forget exactly uh, what the situation was, but I think it was either when the Patriots had the, I think when the Patriots had the ball after they didn't get something on second down, he calls a timeout. Right. Uh, on it, that's what it was. And then the Patriots convert and now they have all this time to go down and score. And it was just like, it was one of those situations your offense isn't doing, hasn't performed well. Just get to the locker room, make the adjustments. Don't just take the seven nothing lead and get out of here, or the yeah, seven nothing deficit and go to the locker room. Uh, and he gave him an extra choice, chance. Uh, the one that isn't an original take from me um, that I heard on the radio today that I had really thought about before on the Felger and Maserati show in Boston, uh, they had Greg Bedard on, who is uh, used to write for MMQB, is now part of the Athletic. Um, he talked about it, and I hadn't even put this together because I was in such a frenzy at the end of that game. The Chiefs mm-hmm. took the ball with 3.35 left in that game down by a field goal. Right. They marched down the field and scored before the two-minute warning. They had four first downs. On the, on, the three, on the first three first downs, they threw passes, all incomplete to stop the clock. The only time they ran out on first down was from the, sec- was from the two-yard line, um, and there's a theory floating around Boston. I went back and watched it, and it kind of does look like it to me that the front seven of the Patriots on that Damian Williams touchdown run, they all kind of took, took a step in and then kind of got vertical real quick, which makes it mm-hmm. easier to get blocked. And they kind of mm-hmm. just let Damian Williams score, and right. it's just typical Andrew Reid. You had to, you had to, you should have milked that clock. You had to know Tom yep. Brady was going to score again. You couldn't, that you couldn't exactly give him that kind of time. Play. Yep. And I so totally had, and I was so caught up in the frenzy of the moment, being being a fan that you know I'm not sitting there analyzing it in the moment like that. Um, that I had forgotten that they scored in a minute and like 17 seconds or something stupid like that. And so yep. you gave Brady the ball back. And so the rest of the complaining to me, I mean, I'd start with that guy. If I, if I'm a Kansas city fan. Yeah. Yeah. And they, uh, you know, and they fired a defensive coordinator, which I don't think was, I mean, that was probably part of the problem, but either way, there are a lot of issues there as well. Close game though. It was fun to watch. Even though obviously I didn't enjoy the ending of it as much as you did. <laughs> I think it was still a fun game to watch. Hey, listen, let's turn it over and, and talk about the, uh, the Super Bowl since we're here, but let's not preview the game now. Let's do that next week. What I want to talk about are just two things that you want to watch for in the Super Bowl. And, and I'll just tell everybody right now, it started off as a pick 'em, and it very rapidly became uh, the Patriots by two and a half. And that's, and that's where the spread is currently sitting at two and a half. And the over-under is sitting at 57 and a half and just kind of sitting there, has not moved at all. 77% of the money is bet on the New England Patriots with the spread, 80% on the New England Patriots to win out. So basically betters are all on board on the Patriots winning this game. Uh, at, as two and a half point favorites. So, what do you think? Now, don't don't pick the games. We're going to pick the over under in a minute. But tell me, what are two things that you're watching for in the Super Bowl next week? We're going to go through a full preview. So, one thing I'm watching for is Indomitian Sue, and mm-hmm. it's really twofold. One, if you watched him on the sideline before that kick last week, he looked like a very nervous, invested person, which is surprising for the guy who said in last off season that he was going to anywhere, regardless of fit or scheme or chances to win just as long as they had the most money. So mm-hmm. to see that guy all of a sudden look really invested in this season, I thought it was right. kind of surprising. And maybe, yeah. maybe you can really be driven only by money, but also want to win. The two really seem like 
opposing thoughts to me a lot of times, or if that's, you know, if you really cared that much, why wouldn't you put yourself in a good position? And he ultimately did, but Mm -hmm. um, you know, that, so that was interesting to me. So I'm wondering what kind of game he's going to have also, because I don't know if you saw this, it's been floating around here a lot and not really this thing's been talked about a lot, but there's a, there's like a three and a half, four, five minute clip of like, I mean, such raw footage from the locker room after the Patriots win that they had like that, that the, the cameras fogged over. Um, mm-hmm. And like they keep having to wipe it because it's just like the heat in there and the cold air mixture sure. and all that. Um, and at one point, the cameraman catches the Patriots' offensive line hugging each other and stuff. And they were like, "All right, we got the Rams." And some one of them was like, "Oh, that's who won earlier because they taken the field right after." And I guess he just hadn't seen. They're like, "Yeah, we got the Rams." And one said, "Oh, they got Donald." And yeah, and they go, <laughs> "Yeah." And ones go, "And they got Sue." And I think it was Marcus Cannon goes, "Oh, well, that's good though." And hmm. then he turns and looks at the camera and sees the camera filming. He goes, no, don't film that. And he goes back to talking. And right. so this is a guy they've seen a lot in Miami. Clearly they think that they have his number because it wasn't right. like, it wasn't even a cocky thing. It was like, they thought they didn't realize the camera was on them. They were like, Oh, that's actually good. Like we, we own that guy. Uh-huh. And so uh-huh. between him seeming vested, some bulletin board material. And now right. I think it's, I saw it to be like 86% of the money's on the Patriots right now. You put all yeah. those together, I don't know, that starts to make a dangerous team that might start to kind of come together and say, like, you know what, bleep the world and bleep these guys. We're going to go out there and kick their asses because we're not, like, this is, this is now this is getting insulting. Um, right. So as a Patriot fan, I'm a little bit nervous about that. Uh, the more important thing, the thing from an X's and O's standpoint, the thing I think is going to truly be the X factor in this game, yeah. um, and this is going to absolutely, <laughs> this is going to blow your mind. Okay. I think the X, X factor is the running game. <laughs> yes, yes, I knew you were going to admit that. I was going to get you to admit that today. Thank you for doing that. That was exactly, that was literally the next thing on my sheet was to try to get you to admit that the running game is going to be important in this Super Bowl on both sides. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. I, th- I, th- I, th- yeah, I just, I think whoever, bit. I think whoever runs the ball better, I think, I think for the, for the Rams that establishes everything they want to do and for the Patriots. It, it'll slow down Wade Phillips' pass rush. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the Rams the Rams want to be play action, misdirection, take deep shots off of that, um, and they need the run to establish that because the, the absolute nightmare scenario is what we saw happening at, at points in Holmes last week where Holmes can actually beat him. I don't think Goff can. If the Patriots right. start feeling confident enough to start playing cover zero with that amoeba front where they got a bunch of guys up walking around, you don't know who's dropping into coverage and who's blitzing. Mm-hmm. And the Patriots have no safety help back and nobody at the second level because you can't run the ball on them and they're just coming for them and they're going to be running all these exotic twists and stunts. And it's a bad, bad day for, for, for Jared Goff if that happens. I'm talking multiple turnovers, lots of sacks. I think that could get ugly in that way. So they need to establish a run to keep the mm-hmm. Patriots back in a more conservative defense. On the other end, you know, the Patriots just don't want the, the Rams to be able to tee off and, and run the ball. And the Rams... The Rams, because of lack of personnel, they like to pretty much roll with like one linebacker sets, like Mark Barron out there. They just mm-hmm. like to play one guy in the middle. They like the four guys up front. The Patriots defense, I mean, offensive line might be the best in football right now. And obviously, there are only two left, but you know what I mean. Like it, it, they're right. they're playing better at this point in the season than I think any other offensive line has. Right. And if they can if they can lock down those guys at, at the lower level, and somebody can pick up the one linebacker on the second level, and Michelle can just gash them like he was the the Chiefs early in that game, then I think. I think the Patriots could run away with it. So I, I, I think it's, I think it's huge on, on both sides. 
Um, and I can't even believe I just said that. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I, I love it so much that um, I'm actually going to uh, hit this drop one more time just because of the fact that uh, I'm just so happy that you finally admitted that running backs are actually worth something in the league. But I, I agree. Todd Gurley, um, and if he's going to be himself, Patriots 19th against the run, um, he could do some damage if he is. C.J. Anderson is on a little bit of a roll. Sony Michelle is uh, totally dominating in the backfield right now, and there's still Rex Burkhead there as well. And the Rams are 28th against the run. So this is a definite vulnerability in their defense. So both of those will be important to watch at the Super Bowl. I totally agree. Well, let's just pick right now the over-under. All right. So the 57 and a half, that's what the over-under is at. Has not moved at all since it opened on uh, Sunday. What do you think? Over or under 57 and a half? I'm going under by by a long shot for me. Wow. I I think this is like a – yeah, I mean, I think – the craziest this gets scoring to me is 28-24 um, mm-hmm. kind of range. Um, so okay. I, I think I think middle 50, like 55 would be like a line I would have to think about, which I know doesn't sound that far off. But, I mean, mm-hmm. in football terms, 57.5 to 55 big, is, big. Is, a, is a big right. jump. So right. um, that, that's where I would have to question it. But I think it's going to be – I think it will be between 45 and 55. I'm not predicting like a 17 to 14 game. But – I think very similar to that Seattle Super Bowl uh, between them and the Patriots a couple years back. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the over, but I don't think it's going to be much, much over. But I, I have confidence we're going to see two scores. in this. But uh, all right, well, we're going to go through our full preview next week. We're going to pick the against the spread. We'll pick the winners. And, I, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll break it all down. But let's leave that for next week. Ring the bell. Let's go on to the next thing. That's the Senior Bowl. So I know that everybody, and I teed this up earlier, knows that the senior, Reese's Senior Bowl is this Saturday. It's at 1.30 Central in Mobile, Alabama, so 2.30 Eastern. You can find that on the NFL Network. It's at Lad People Stadium. Um, I didn't realize this, but it's only like $10 to get into the Senior Bowl. I would actually totally do that if I was in Mobile, Alabama. But sorry, I'm not traveling there to go see the game. So um, let me ask you this, Ryan. Are there anybody – is there any players there that you would keep an eye on uh, if you're going to be watching the Senior Bowl this weekend? Stuck on mute. My fault. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, he's just blown away. There's so many good players to watch. <laughs> you know, I, I, I could sit here and try to fake this this uh, this uh, this section here, but I'm going to let you take the lead on it because okay. I, okay. I, cool. I, I have done nothing but watch Look highlights of the Patriots and Chiefs <laughs> for the last three days. Um, so <laughs> I'm in such an NFL mode. I can't even get myself to pretend. I saw a post about the Pro Bowl or, earlier. I threw up. Um, you know, I just, you know, I can't, I can't even think anything else. So, um, I was on mute cause I was trying to rush and see if Jeffrey Simmons, uh, who's a player I wrote a lot about at Mississippi state on SB nation this year was in it. I couldn't find anything. So I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna admit it when I don't know what, what I'm, what I got. Well, then, so if, yeah, he's, if he's in it, I'll watch he's him. Honest guy. He's going to play, he's going to play Jeffrey straight. Simmons is in, I'll watch it. But I, but otherwise, I, I don't know. If I watch right, it, well, I'll watch highlights later. I'll, Let's just all blame Joey for this, all right? Because Joey's the one who suggested talking about the Senior Bowl, <laughs> and he's and he oh, pulled us up today. So we'll blame Joey a, for all this. Oh, what a piece of crap! He's the worst. <laughs> but hey, I'll I will get I'll give you my two guys though. I'll I'll throw my two guys out there, and uh, we'll see what you think. One of them you'll know actually is Dexter Williams, the running back from Notre Dame, five ten, two hundred two yep. two hundred two pounds. Last season, one hundred fifty eight rushes for nine hundred ninety five yards, twelve touchdowns. Very strong, elusive runner, uh, very instinctive ability. He, he has great, great patience behind the line and has really good bursts, gets great positive yards. Um, you know, 
against Florida State. He had uh, he carried 20 times for 202 yards and two very long touchdown runs. He looks good, and he's probably going to be uh, around the third or fourth round. Uh, I think he would be a, a, a somebody that someone will take a flyer on and could be someone who steps in right away and contributes. Maybe not as the every down back right off the bat, but someone who has that type of explosiveness, that type of um, football IQ that he could be very um, a very solid running back. So I'll keep my eye on him, not only because he's from Notre Dame, but because I think he's a good prospect. And the other guy I would look at is David Sills the fifth, the wide receiver from West Virginia, 6'4", 210 pounds. Last season, 65 receptions, 986 yards, and 15 touchdowns. Everyone might remember this guy if you follow football, because he was the 13-year-old that was offered a full scholarship by Lane Kiffin at USC. Uh, So he was a quarterback recruit at that time. He went there, injured his hand, left L.A., landed in West Virginia, switched to wide receiver and became dominant there. Now he did drop back and try to get back as a quarterback in, in junior college, but ended up coming back to West Virginia, had a really, really, really strong season, very dominant, great speed. Again, I'm going to use, I'm going to overuse this word all off season. Now, great football IQ. Um, and I will not even, I won't say he can take the top off the defense, but guys, he can take the top off the defense. And, uh, and you know what? He kind of reminds me of Julian Edelman. You know, he can play outside. He can play in a slot. He's actually pretty fast. He's a little bit bigger than Julian Edelman, but he, um, he kind of reminds me of him in his, his ability to find those open spots and make plays, um, basically, and, and get really solid hands. So those are the two guys I would watch at the senior bowl. Uh, and we'll blame Joey for the fact that uh, that we don't have any other people to watch. There are lots of people who watch in the game. Those are the people that I'm interested in. I'm going to ring the bell. Let's go to DFS. All right. So um, there's DFS coming up, right? There's Pro Bowl and Super Bowl <laughs> showdown lineups, everybody. Um, different than usual. These are not full slates. These are only single-game slates. On FanDuel, what that means is that you get $60,000 salary to fill one MVP in four regular spots. The MVP scores one and a half times and does not cost you any more, so it's just a strategy call who you want to slot in there. So basically, with five players and $60,000, you can spend an average of 12000 per player. On DraftKings, it's slightly different. It's $50,000 salary cap. You have to fill one MVP in five regular spots. The MVP also scores one and a half times, but it costs you one and a half times more. So you have to be very careful about who you spend up on for your MVP spot because it will cost you a ton, a ton of cash. So you can average about 10000 per player, but if you're thinking you're going to spend about 15000 for the MVP because of the extra amount you're going to spend for that slot, that really leaves you around 7000 for each of your remaining five slots on DraftKings. So two very um, – Similar, but distinct in the terms of how you uh, manage your salary cap. So there are Pro Bowl showdown slates and there are Super Bowl showdown slates. We'll talk more about the Super Bowl next week, but, you know, we'll talk very briefly about it today. Give us some thoughts on the captain and the value and Pro Bowl. And we'll talk a little bit about that right now. Now, I I don't know if you have anybody in mind, and I don't recommend people go out and play Pro Bowl DFS because it is so unpredictable. Uh, But do you have any thoughts on anybody you would want to slot in on a Pro Bowl showdown slate, Ryan? Um. <laughs> <laughs> are, are you done throwing up because I mentioned the word Pro Bowl? Because I I, I kind of heard you gagging a little bit there when I said Pro Bowl. I'm just trying to figure out who's actually playing or not. But <laughs> <laughs> clearly, everybody, everyone knows what Ryan is thinking about right now. He's 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 like ten days ahead of us right now. He's nowhere near uh, today. <laughs> he's in the future. I'll, I'm really trying, and and I know. Trust me, I know it's difficult. For everyone to understand what a what a grind it is to be in the Super Bowl every year, um, but it's it's a little <laughs> oh, daunting, you know. Oh. It's just uh, 
so sad. Amazing. When we started this podcast, I told you that me and my friends threw an you know a annual divisional round party because we knew the Patriots were always going to be there. I mean, at this point, we throw <laughs> annual Super Bowl parties. <laughs> Just saying. That's how the rest of the world feels right now, Ryan. All right. Uh, So I'll say Tyreek Hill if he's going to actually play (laughs) because because of his speed. Uh, I'm not picking Juju Smith-Schuster. Despite what everyone said, this is the tweet that made me throw up earlier. I I know a lot of Pittsburgh fans want to downplay it and say it's the Pro Bowl. Who cares? I mean, it's just another another Pittsburgh Steeler who can't do his job and show up on time to play. So I think it is actually a big deal. If I was a Steeler player, I'd be probably crossing every T and dotting every I just to prove that I'm not a an overrated bum like the rest. So, um, you know, I'll go, I'll go him, and uh, you know, give me give me Landry. Landry playing? Looks like he's playing. He's on FanDuel, so I'll take Landry. <laughs> <laughs> well, if he's there, <laughs> well, make sure you guys check to make sure he's in the lineup first. But uh, yeah, well, I don't know, how, I don't but, know how much uh, is updated. Like, I can't believe like. I can't believe Kansas City players are going to come off that loss on Sunday and actually go down there and, and play it next week. That's yeah, Mahomes is going to play. He said he's going to play, and so so did Hill. So uh, we'll see I mean, how that do goes. Do people, people do that? I mean, it's been so long since we were in the Super Bowl, I just have a hard time remembering what play, yeah, people, people do when people their do, I mean, over. Generally, I mean, Brady doesn't do that, um, because probably because he's more concerned about health and those types of things. But I, I don't – I think, yeah, there, there are people, there's a few people who actually do that. I think it's tough, though, you know, right, coming off a conference championship game that you lose. Why would you want to fly out to the Pro Bowl? And this year I think it's in Orlando, right? So that's even worse. Um, so anyway. Oh, uh, so oh. Hakuna taking shots at Florida. It is a pretty terrible state. <laughs> I'm just saying, compared to Hawaii, you guys got nothing. I'm just saying, all right. Compared to just, Hawaii, or just like in general, because it's a pretty, it's a pretty terrible state. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not gonna go that far, guys. I'm not. Uh, so don't no hate well, mail from Florida. Florida, you you suck. No one really wants you. You should, <laughs> okay. you should succeed. Well, Orlando, man, man, it's like in the middle of a freaking state. I mean, at least get near the coast or something, because it's, I mean, gosh, Orlando. I, yeah, we'll, anyway, we'll we'll retain, we'll retain Miami and the Keys. But the yeah. rest of the state, yeah, can you just pulled off away. the Atlantic as far as I care. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let me let me give you my thoughts on the Pro Bowl because believe it or not, I actually broke down the Pro Bowl for DFS uh, a couple of years ago, and I've been kind of upkeeping it on my own. Um, I know it's sense it's senseless, but um, I I do it. So this is the one time of the year which I can use this num these numbers. Well, you got nothing else to do at this time of year, right? Yeah, that's true. Well, what else do I got to do right now? So it, it, because my team's not in the Super Bowl, so what do I care? So anyway, the right, the Pro Bowl. I'll, I'll give this one stat. This stat. I'm gonna and I'm gonna write this up. I'll send this. Put us on our website. So check it out if you want to know all the stats about the Pro Bowl for DFS purposes. But I'll give you this one because I think it's interesting. So there's only two tight ends per side, as everyone knows. There's plenty of other players at all the other skill positions, and so that means tight ends actually have the the critical um, difference of being on the field more than any other player in a Pro Bowl believe it or not. So that means any skill player, I should say. So that means that if you want to maximize your opportunity, tight ends are the way to go. And um, since the defensive rules have changed in the Pro Bowl um, in 2016, uh, in 2014 through 2016, so I'm throwing out some of the defensive outliers, you know, I did some analysis and I'm updated it with the 2018 numbers. Um, it turns out that tight ends get a huge share of targets and the highest perception, uh, highest, uh, highest, red zone target looks in, in addition to the most touchdowns of any skill position. And it turned out that way last year of Delaney Walker catching two touchdowns as well. So when I predicted it last year, it really worked out for me. So I'm doing it again this year, tight ends. I think if you're going to play in the DFS slates, 
uh, this year, go ahead and use George Kittle on the NFC side and use Eric Ebron on the AFC side, who will be playing with his quarterback, Andrew Luck. Another thing that I like in Pro Bowls, players that play together in the regular season obviously have better timing together. So I like to play those guys together as well. So Eric Ebron, Andrew Luck, George Kittle, and, you know, Mahomes and Hill. Obviously, they have great timing. They just came off a game. I don't know how motivated they will be to play. So be careful with that. But, you know, that's also somebody to look at. And if you're going to look at wide receivers, I prefer the AFC side over the NFC side because I think Watson, Luck, and Mahomes will air it out more than Wilson, Trubisky, and Prescott. Um, So that's just my take on the Pro Bowl. If you want to see more, go ahead and check it out on the site. I'll have that up in another couple days. All right, let's talk about the Super Bowl. Uh, just for the DFS purposes and because we're doing clip cast and I want to make sure that we have some something that people will look up. Do you have somebody that you would play as the captain in your showdown lineup for Super Bowl and any particular players you look at as a value? Next week we'll talk about it in more detail. But just what do you think there, Ryan? I think you're stuck on mute again, Ryan. I actually wasn't on mute and then I muted myself. I I <laughs> nice. But I was unmuted. Nice. And then yeah, um, well played. Yeah, just trying to, you know, it's kind of a long day. I just, I just did an <laughs> hour long part a podcast with our with our friend Mark Leopold there. Um, oh, okay, so all gonna, right. Everyone, go check that then, out. I, I was trying to figure out what which show you were on. Yeah, I was on the his uh, FFD two sixty or whatever. So I'll send out the link when it's done. Um, Excellent. Everyone, check it out. So I'm I'm hitting a little bit of a wall. It's been a long day, um, <laughs> but. With that said, um, I mean, my early impression would be just given how good he's been in the last three of them, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'll take Tom Brady as my captain because I just expect him to perform. Um, sure. Good inside fast track. I know they're a run-heavy team right now, um, but I still think he's going to perform enough. And Edelman and Gronk uh, look healthy enough for one last run here. And sure. Hogan seems to be back in the fold. Mm-hmm. Philip Dorsett's played well, so – um, yeah. I, I'd honestly go him or Michelle, um, you know, as, as far as value, I'm probably looking at CJ Anderson. It's, it's funny because, you know, you mentioned earlier that I, that I'm buying in or finally admitting how important the running back is, but you misunderstood. I said the running game because <laughs> it, it, I still think CJ Anderson has been more important yeah. in this run for the Rams than Todd Gurley has. And well, certainly one of them, one of them was left for dead a couple months ago and the other one, um, was a first round pick and I'll, I'll leave it for you guys to remember which one is doing which, but um, <laughs> right. so for value pick, I mean, I'd probably take CJ Anderson. Um, it'll be interesting to see what the Patriots do to counteract uh, that because they, I think they dared and wanted the chiefs to run. Um, yep. I forget what the exact stat is, but the yards, the yard, uh, the yard per rush against the Patriots defense is dramatically different when Danny Shelton plays and when he doesn't play, um, and he was a healthy scratch on Sunday. Uh, again, I think that was by design. He's not a great pass rusher um, yep. and not really great in that two gappers or that, that, you know, against, against a more of a quarterback like Mahomes, you don't want him in there. He's more of a two gap kind of run defender. Um, so I would be shocked if Danny Shelton doesn't play in this game, because I think this is a game plan where they'll want to dare uh, Jared Goff to throw. Um, and, and I just think the Patriots secondary is playing too well right now. So if you're looking for value, I, I think it's got to be CJ Anderson, but I'm probably going Brady for my MVP, um, yep. you know, to get that one and a half multiplier. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a safe shot. That's a safe play. I think on the captain side, I agree. I think I, I like Sony Michelle cause he's, he's a lot cheaper. I mean, he's a, uh, he's eighth, the eighth priced uh, player in DraftKings. He's, he's more expensive on FanDuel. So there, 
I actually prefer Julian Edelman because Julian Edelman is the, the fifth uh, priced individual on FanDuel. So, um, and he doesn't cost any more um, to, to be played in, uh, in FanDuel. You know, remember, you don't have to play, pay the multiplier. You do have to pay the multiplier in DraftKings, which is why I love Sony Michelle so much because he's much cheaper than all the rest of those guys. He's only $6,800. So as far as Captain is concerned, that's the way I'm looking at it, Sony Michelle or Julian Edelman. I like Brady. That's fine. I don't have any problems with that. I just love the PPR upside of Julian Edelman, and I just love the fact that Michelle has been really just gobbling up yards uh, recently and getting a lot of touchdowns. So I just like the upside there. On the value side, I actually like, kickers you know call me crazy but kickers get their share and they're super cheap on DraftKings. only $3,400 for Greg Zerline only $3,200 Steven Guskowski now on FanDuel they're too expensive $9,500 FanDuel for Steven Guskowski $10,000 for Greg Zerline I guess he's worth it I mean he hits 57 yard field goals those are worth more but either way you know I, I wouldn't pay up for that I don't think that's value on FanDuel on FanDuel for value I might go Tyler Higby he's only $6,500 he's really cheap um, and this is not as much of a value but it's, he's still cheaper than the kickers Philip Dorsett is $8,500 on FanDuel I like him he's been he's had back-to-back-to-back um, touchdowns he had five five and three uh, targets over the last three games he's definitely a part of this offense so I like him and he's only 4200 on DraftKings so I think he's a real steal for value on DraftKings all right so next week, we will break down uh, the at DFS for uh, the Super Bowl again in more detail, and we'll have more insight as far as uh, injury reports and all the other stuff. So tune back in for that and our preview of the, of the Super Bowl and uh, our picks on the Super Bowl against the spread, everything all across the board. It's going to be a lot of fun. All right, I'm going to go ahead and blow the, blow the air horn on the show. I'm glad I set this up for uh, 45 minutes instead of 30 minutes, even though Joey stood us up. <laughs> we managed to fill all the time anyway. So, Ryan, give us your uh, social media so people can follow you. Wow. Yeah. You uh, can follow me. Ask <laughs> Ryan Whitfield, NE, for all your Patriots coverage because, America, your worst nightmare is back. The Patriots are still here. <laughs> okay. All right. You can and follow Joey, me. And forget you. <laughs> all, right. all right. You can follow me at, at, at FB Garbage Time. As always, thank you for wasting time with us. And until next time, enjoy your NFL week as well as the football. Oh, I'll enjoy my next NFL TV. Thank you so much, Akuna. <laughs>